You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are here today to break down the New York Giants Week 17 game against the 4-10-1 Indianapolis Colts. Chris, the New York Giants can secure a dub here. They will secure their first playoff berth since 2016. Are you excited about this game, buddy? You know, I'm I'm trying to still trying to make heads or tails of exactly what kind of team the Colts are, because they they I they are I think a one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL this year, but also one of the biggest mysteries. They're a huge mystery, and you're right. They've been wildly disappointing. They're a team covered in turmoil. They fired Frank Reich. What about? Midway through the season, maybe a little bit before that, Jim Irsay, their owner, goes out and hires a television personality, a former center for the Colts, Jeff Saturday. Chris, in their first game, they're able to defeat the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. Just a huge win for Jeff Saturday, but it's the Raiders, and the Raiders are equally as just terrible and as much in turmoil as the Colts seem to be. And then since then, unfortunately, Jeff Saturday's crew the Colts have lost five games in a row. The Giants, according to ESPN analytics, have a 78.3% chance to win this game at home. They are favored by six points and the over under is 38. But you're right, man. This is a team that it's difficult to exactly know what the hell is going on. Nick Foles, Chris, Nick Foles is their starting quarterback. Last week against the Chargers, this dude was sacked seven times and threw three interceptions. I think Wig Martindale's defense is going to be licking their chops to get after this older quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think that's pretty pretty much the place to start with the Colts is with their offense because they have, I think, arguably the worst offense in the NFL relative to their expectations coming into the season and frankly, the talent on their offensive roster, they have some players on offense. You know, not like the Houston Texans or the Chicago Bears, who have basically nobody on both teams put together except for Justin Fields. Yeah, the the Colts have some good receivers. They've got some tight ends that they use in I don't want to say innovative ways but aggressive ways. And Nick Foles is Nick Foles. He's been in the NFL since like 2012. He's been to a Pro Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. But he is kind of the poster boy for the journeyman backup quarterback at this point, especially now that Ryan Fitzpatrick's in, a, in the booth. And, you know, the Colts went and fired Frank Reich. They have Parks Frazier as their offensive coordinator coordinator now he's 31 years old younger than either of us and oh, he watch was that he was their assistant quarterbacks coach when he started the year and like four years ago he was a graduate assistant yeah i 
I am really not sure what the Colts are doing, and I think they have kind of taken over as the slow motion car wreck of the NFL now that the Jaguars have their have their act together. Hey, they might be having a top pick, right? I mean, I don't think they're in full blown tank mode, but at this point, you want to get Nick Foles out there because presumably Nick Foles can push the football down the field. And he attempted to do that against the Chargers and he threw three interceptions and it was not pretty whatsoever. But Matt Ryan, the previous starting quarterback who was benched for Sam Ellinger, who will be backing up Nick Foles, I believe in this game. I don't think Nick, Matt Ryan is even the backup. He's the third string. He's just cooked at this point. That sucks, man, because I have a lot of respect for Matt Ryan, but he can't move around in the pocket. He can't push the ball downfield. We even saw a little elements of that back in what was it week three of the 2021 season when the Giants faced the Falcons, although I, I felt like Matt Ryan at least could operate a heavy play action passing attack. But you need a run game to really sell that, right, Chris? This Indianapolis Colts team lost to their star running back, Jonathan Taylor, who really didn't have a great season to begin with. But we saw a couple weeks ago, he ended up leaving the game in the first quarter on the first drive with an injury. And now you have this rushing attack led by Zach Moss, who the Colts got in the trade for Naheem Hines, who was another talented running back. Zach Moss is somewhat of a plotter. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry against the Chargers, but he doesn't really have a lot of burst explosiveness. He's not the most exciting type of running back. But they also have, what is it, Deion Jackson, who is a player that they um, have used throughout this season and to, I would say, yeah, he's had solid success. I think he had one game where he had 10 catches in the game. But reportedly, Chris, and this kind of points towards the turmoil, he got into a, and I don't know how true this is, but he got into an argument with Jeff Saturday, the head coach, and he had zero carries and three catches against the Chargers. And I would argue, I don't know if you've watched a lot of Deion Jackson, he has a lot more juice to him than someone like a Zach Moss. Yeah, Zach Moss has never been a runner who has any kind of burst or juice to his game. He is, even going back to Utah, he was a guy who got, he made his yardage with vision and contact balance. He's a pretty good between the tackles runner. I think the big problem with the Colts running game really is their offensive line. And I put this in our, in their, in our show notes, the Colts offensive line is as bad as Giants fans think the Giants offensive line is. They are, they have, I would say the worst offensive line in the NFL. They've got, they've given up the most sacks. They are, they have the worst pass block win rate in the NFL. They they hold up for two and a half seconds less than half the time. They're that 47% pass block win rate. That is atrocious. And their run blocking really isn't any better. They're like 28th in run blocking according to football outsiders. The right side of their offensive line is actually not bad, but everywhere else, they can't open up holes. They can't sustain. And you're right. Wake Martindale's got to be licking his chops, looking at this offensive line. Absolutely. And I think that's a good point because you look at their offensive line on paper, Quentin Nelson, everyone knows that name. He's one of the most talented interior deep offensive linemen in the league. Braden Smith, it's a good offensive tackle, right? The kid out of Auburn that they drafted several years ago now. But other than that, they're not quite there. And when you have an offensive line who struggles to pass protect and a quarterback who has cement feet as Nick <laughs> Foles and Matt Ryan both have, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. And when you factor that into it, going up against a team who 
blitzes more than any other team in the National Football League. And Wink Martindale, who blitzes, I think it's like around 45% of the time, it could lead to a lot of sack opportunities if the Colts decide to pass the football like they did against the Chargers. So this could be an interesting game for the New York Giants. I feel like the Giants are the better football team, and they should win this game, despite the fact that, like you said at the top of the show, Chris, the 11 personnel package for the Colts is pretty solid, right? Now, the running back position, that kind of sucks. The tight ends, I think a combination of the rookie Jelani Woods and Moali Cox are two of the tallest dudes in the NFL. They're both like six foot seven, six foot eight. And then the trio of Paris Campbell in the slot, Michael Pittman Jr., and the rookie Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. I got to say, man, they're athletic, they're explosive, and they can create separation. It's a pretty solid trio. It's just they have no one to get them the football and really no one to block for them consistently up front. Yeah, and, and that really is the problem, I think, with the Colts' offense. If they go, I think, a quick game RPO-type scheme and game plan, I think they can move the ball against the Giants. They're going to have to play fast, though. They're going to have to get the ball out before Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau and Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojolari, if they play. But if not, uh, Jihad Ward, O'Shane Zimenez, Timon Fox, those guys just wrecked their whole day. Because, you, you, like you said, Braden Smith, fine offensive lineman. Quentin Nelson, he is still a stud out there. But they don't have anything else up front. And I think this game really is going to come down to can the Colts can they get the ball out to those receivers before the Giants pass rushers can force Sam Ellinger into the game exactly and I, I want to say one other thing too Ryan Kelly's a good center and he, I believe he's back from injury he's starting right now so it's just Bernard Ryman their left tackle who's a rookie who we liked, I think, coming out of the draft more as a developmental type of player, has, I think, struggled so far this year. And then they have Will Fries at right guard. I don't really know much about Will Fries, but I know collectively this offensive line has um, not been performing well. But Chris, before we get to the Colts defense, a Gus Bradley-led defense, the Gus bus himself, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris, let's get into this Colts defense. Look, the Colts defense, it's not that terrible in terms of all of the statistical, uh, like if you look at a spreadsheet, you can see that they're not statistically bad. Right. Like they have, I think they're 11th in like points allowed. 
They, they uh, don't allow a ton of yards. They're not getting abused through the air or on the ground. But when your offense just doesn't possess the football and doesn't put any points on the board, it puts a lot of pressure on your defense. But I think this defensive unit is much more uh, capable of of putting together a sound NFL plan and executing it than this offense is right now. Yeah, and I, and I think that's actually fairly impressive considering that they're always playing from behind. They get put in a lot of bad spots because of those turnovers, because the opposing offense cannot sustain, or before, because their offense, excuse me, can't sustain drives. So being 11th in overall defense is honestly pretty impressive. They could be like a top seven, maybe even top five defense if they were paired with a functional offense. And that's a big if, right? Because they're not right now, maybe in the future. But you look at the personnel, it's pretty solid. Gus Bradley is their defensive coordinator. Look, Gus Bradley, he's going to do Gus Bradley things, similar to what we say about Wink Martell. Gus Bradley is a predominant cover three. He's going to run cover three like over 40% of the time. He comes from the Pete Carroll tree. He was a defensive coordinator during the Legion of Boom era before, I believe, it was Dan Quinn. So he was one of those original DCs up there and he still runs a ton of cover three a lot of four-man pressure and he relies on his front four to get pressure he doesn't bring a lot of blitzes so I feel like when you go up against a Gus Bradley coach to defense you kind of know what you're gonna get he's not a lot of spice like I would say Wink Martindale is yeah no they're similar in the sense that they are who they are but as far beyond that, like as far as their their philosophies, their schemes, they really couldn't be much further apart. And it, it is kind of interesting that as different as they are, they are both successful in what they do, which I, I think just kind of speaks to the nature of football and how many different ways there are to win. Yeah, you know, if if only one way worked, every single coach would coach that way. But this Colts defense, it's got some players on it. It's got talent at all three levels. And as big of an anchor as their offense is, this is a defense to be respected. It's a defense to be respected. And they have guys on the front four who can get the pressure to allow this Gus Bradley defense to work somewhat, right? Like DeForest Buckner is long. He's powerful. He is an absolute stud. And he is the centerpiece of this defense who can align on one tech, three tech, four eye, five technique. He can do so many different things for you and wear a lot of hats on the defensive line. This is somebody that the Colts traded for Chris Ballard, the general manager traded for years ago from the, from the San Francisco 49ers. And he came right in and he stepped up and he's been the face of this defense ever since. And there are other guys we'll go over here in a little bit who are also really good. But I think the pressure and just what this front four can do, it all starts with DeForest Buckner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, just look at this or listen to this stat line so far with 15 games, 14 starts, 65 total tackles. Nine tackles for a loss, eight eight quarterback sacks, 18 quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and three passes defensed. As a defensive tackle, that is one hell of a season right there at age 28. And DeForest Buckner really is kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink for this Colts defense. But he's got some good players around him. They've got Yannick Ngakwe at edge. They've got Quiddy Pay got drafted last year at edge. Both of those guys are playing well. They've got Grover Stewart in right next to 
DeForest Buckner. And then they've got some good linebackers as well. But, you know, I think this defensive line could pose some problems for for the Giants offense. It definitely could. I think aligning DeForest Buckner over the top of whoever is at left guard, if it's Nick Gase or Bredesen, but more importantly on the right side, if they align him over the top of Mark Lewinsky, I think that could be an issue because Mark Lewinsky has struggled protecting his edges. And I feel like a player like DeForest Buckner can work those edges really well with his length and his speed and his lateral agility and all of the ways he can make people miss in a phone booth on the line of scrimmage. So he's definitely the problem of this of this defensive front, as you said, but you're right, man. Quiddy Pay, Yannick Ngakwe, Grover Stewart is one of the better run defending defensive linemen in the league. This guy, I think, is in the top five or six in stops. I think he has 36 stops at the line of scrimmage this season, which is really good. And then even their rotational pass rushers like Dio Odenbo, he's a really, I would say, a player who's come on in recent weeks just watching these games that have been on a primetime television because the Colts have had two primetime games. I mean, one wasn't really primetime, but it was a, it was a game that was nationally televised. I I hear his name pop up a lot and he's another player who uh, he had an injury coming out of college and now he's healthy and he's very long and he's explosive. He could be an issue for, let's say Evan Neal. And that's another thing that we have to pay attention to. Evan Neal struggled with speed going up against a guy like Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe can win up the pass rushing arc and win high side with his speed and his ability to bend. So, that's something to monitor, but I, I'm glad that you brought up these second level defenders because you look at the defense, you're like, well, where's the true weak point? Because Bobby Okereke and Zaire Alexander are both, I would say, pretty damn solid linebackers. I mean, they're better than anybody the Giants have on the roster right now by far. Well, that's not a super high bar to cross, even with the Giants signing Jared Davis off of the Lions practice squad. You've got Franklin and Okereke. They've got just under, literally just under, 280 tackles combined. Franklin has 150, 10 tackles for a loss, five quarterback hits. Okereke's got 129 tackles, four tackles for a loss. Like They can cover ground, they can run, and they can get guys on the ground. And then they've got... Ronnie Cloud at safety, and they've got that defensive front protecting them. So I, I'm not sure exactly how much of the middle of the field the Giants will be able to attack in this game. Yeah, no, I'm going to be interested to see it, but we've seen Mike Kafka, Daniel Jones executing the quick passing attack, which really is just a lot of slant flats, double slant flats, and and attacking by between the numbers and the middle of the field. And I think you can still win in that manner with players like Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. But these second-level linebackers, they can cover ground. And these cornerbacks, specifically one, Stephon Gilmore, the 2019 Defensive Player player of the Year, he's still playing at a high level. And I know he struggled to contain Justin Jefferson, but everyone freaking struggles to contain <laughs> Justin Jefferson. So I wouldn't really read too much into that. I'm, uh, I'm wondering, though, how they're going to employ Stephon Gilmore. Because he's somebody who will shadow and will follow, but I'm not certain if the Giants have a player that I don't want to say is worth shadowing. But I feel like Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton, albeit they're they're very different type of wide receivers, right, Chris? But they both execute their assignments well. So I'm curious to see how the Colts and Gus Bradley want to use Stefan Gilmore to eliminate which part of the Giants offense, the guy who can win in quick game very easily and has excellent double moves and Isaiah Hodgins or the true speed, 
speed threat in Darius Slayton. Yeah, and they might move Gilmore around really depending on the situation where if they maybe had noticed some tendencies for the Giants where they take that shot downfield, maybe they'll line Gilmore up over on Darius Slayton to uh, challenge those shots downfield or maybe uh, force Daniel Jones to look somewhere else. Personally, I'm still a little bit surprised that the Carolina Panthers let Gilmore go because I would have loved to have seen a season of him and JC Horn together. You know, the, the two Gamecocks who they just re- remind me so much of each other. Yeah. I, I have been a fan of Gilmore's since he came out of college. I love the attitude with which he plays and you're right. He's still playing at a high level at 32 years old, which is impressive. And I'm a little surprised to see him playing at a high level in a Gus Bradley defense, considering how well Gilmore has always played as a press man specialist. Yes, exactly. And I got to speak on some of these other players who are uh, in the secondary because they're injured right now. I don't feel like the Colts secondary is as dangerous. And I don't know if dangerous is even the right word, but they're missing Isaiah Rogers right now. He has a knee injury. He left last game. And then Kenny Moore has been out with an ankle injury. Kenny Moore is their slot. And without Kenny Moore, Ever since he exited a couple weeks back, more a little bit more than a couple weeks back, this defense has a vulnerability in the slot. And I think that could lead to a lot of Richie James targets over the middle of the field. It's going to put a lot of stress on those linebackers because this team is going to force the Colts, that is, Julian Blackman down into the slot. And over the last couple games, he's kind of struggled in that area. Now, he was a solid player coming out of college, but he's a safety, right? Like Julian Blackman now aligning in the slots kind of out of his element. And I feel like the Giants can exploit this team in the slot. And if Isaiah Rogers, who is playing really damn well with Stefan Gilmore, if he's not able to to get in a full practice and then eventually play, then that's going to force Brandon Faison to start. And I feel like that's another player that the Giants can exploit through the air. Yeah, this is... I think this is going to be a game that is one up front because the Giants are going to have opportunities with against some of these depth corners like teams have with the Giants, where if they can keep the Giants pass rush and Wink Martindale's blitz from affecting their quarterback, they have opportunities against the Giants defensive backs. So if the Giants can buy enough time for Daniel Jones, if they can get that quick game working against this cover three defense, then the opportunities I think will be there. Maybe not with the first read, if that's where Gilmore lines up, but with the second read, with the check down, with uh, passing concepts to attack one of these depth corners that the Colts are just kind of forced to have to use. And there's going to be space too in a cover three defense. Like there's the curl flat player has a ton of space to cover to get underneath where the cornerback who is taking the deep third will be. So those cornerbacks typically are going to be aligned the deep third ones, typically speaking, in off leverage. The Giants have been eating into off leverage over the last couple of weeks. So I expect Mike Kafka to have a nice game plan here that's going to probably mix up running and passing the football. But I would expect another quick game passing approach, maybe not <laughs> to the level of what the Giants did against Minnesota. But I, I think they will be able to successfully throw the football over the middle of the field, specifically in the slot if Kenny Moore is not back from his ankle injury. But Chris, do you have anything else on this matchup? Yeah, you know, I think this is a game that might just wind up being a race to 20 
yeah, the Colts, if we account for their special teams points that they scored against Minnesota to set up that massive comeback, or force that massive comeback, rather, they're only averaging about 14 points a game. The Giants, up right up before that game against Minnesota, the Giants were averaging right around 18 and a half offensive points per game. So I think the first team to break that 20-point barrier is going to be the winner in this game. And it will be very interesting to see how these two offenses play against these two defenses. I expect the Giants to win because I just have more faith in Mike Kafka and the Giants offense than I do against or that I do have in Parks Frazier and Nick Foles. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm hoping the Giants, they're at home against a team that they are better than right now. They should secure this victory, but it's the NFL and there are no gimmies. You have to go out there and play. And this is a team, albeit they lost, they were up 33-0 on the Minnesota Vikings, the team the Giants just lost to off the foot of a 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph. So nobody should be taken lightly whatsoever. But Hopefully the Giants will win this. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, subscribe, comment on this podcast. It helps us go up the algorithm and head on over to BigBlueView.com where we have all of our written content. Hey, this will be the last time you guys hear from us until the new year. So have a happy new year. Be safe. And let's go Giants. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Plot3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.